0: Hello everybody and welcome to Kane and Rint Sound of Play 37. With Sound of Play, every other Wednesday we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 37 is a new Sound of Play guest, but not a new and Rince guest, it's John Salmon.
1: Good evening, Leon
0: welcome uh welcome to sound of play so uh Kane rinse listeners will recognize you well they might not entirely recognize you because you were extremely congested <laughs> yeah. uh, when you were on the doom show uh, as you can hear john doesn't normally sound quite so nasal and mucusy um but this season has been an absolute murder for colds i feel like i've had like four or five Colds in the last three or four months, and it's not funny anymore. So you have my sympathy, but you're feeling mm-hmm. better today.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm all fine now. But as you say, it's been pretty crazy. I think because the the weather's been up and down, and still kind of wintry outside, but also really sunny at the same time. So everything's just got crazy with it.
0: Spring has sprung today. At the time of recording, if you're listening to this, it is uh, on the Wednesday when it comes out. It is the Sunday before, and uh, we've just had a fine. Spring-like day with uh, with 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 sunshine in the south uh, southeast of England, where both John and I reside. Indeed, we're about I guess we're about an hour an hour apart from one another. But you don't care about any of that. John uh, John is kind of a, a sporadic contributor to all things Cana a friend of the family, if you will, um, and perhaps uh, your most distinguished piece of work so far, apart from your podcast debut, was your Music Monday, uh, a column which uh, which has since been retired or at least rested uh, due to the Uh, due to this podcast really Um, but you kindly wrote us uh, a piece uh, all about your love of the music of the Silent Hill series.
1: I did yeah Um, I've been a very long time fan of music in video games in general but you know very specifically got into the Silent Hill music Uh, but yeah I mean I love writing I've never really done it in any sort of professional way before but it's something that's always interested me. I mean, I'm very into the idea of writing blog posts and, you know, sort of long forum articles and things like that. And that's almost where this sound of play has sprung from. Yeah. Um. I've got a, a theme behind the tracks that I've picked, which has oh, okay. actually come from a forum article that I originally made. Ah, OK, well...
0: To that end, let us start by discussing the uh, wonderful track which started our show this week, and uh, people will probably know it, um, but if you don't, it's You Are There by Michiru Oshima uh, with that uh, angelic vocal from Stephen Geraghty, who's probably uh, like 30 now or something, um, <laughs> but would have been a, a prepubescent boy when, when when he recorded that vocal, and that is, of course, from eco so, what's the? Uh, are you going to reveal the theme to us at this point? Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Okay. I feel like that's um, it's a good place to break the ice. So, um, I've been I've been a long term video game fan for as many years as I can remember. To be honest, um, but in the last 10, 15 years, I've steered quite heavily towards um, Xbox consoles in general. Uh, I first played Halo. I fell in love with it, and that must be. F- 14 odd years ago and since Mm. then the the Xbox has just been my go-to um but I I've had a few things going on recently and I've started to get a little bit fed up of playing very similar sort of things I mean I got quite quite heavily involved in achievement hunting because of I've been playing the Xbox 360 and Xbox One now for the last decade Mm. um and it's it's led me to realize that there's a whole slew of incredible titles that i've missed out on simply from just not having the right consoles yeah and i, I made this I, uh, this plan a couple of months ago that i need to actually track down some of these games and catch up with some of these experiences that i've missed out so i put together a list of i think there's something like 40 games on it at the moment things mm. that i've either never got round to at all or i've played bits of and given up with or, in a couple of cases, things that I enjoyed so much that I feel like I need to go back and play them again. Mm. And a lot of it ties in with Kane and Rince. There's an awful lot of Legend of Zelda games on that list. Good. Um, there's It's it's mostly things like exclusives from Nintendo and PlayStation consoles. Yeah. So, yeah, Eco just happened to be the very first game out of all of these that I thought, I'm going to start off with this. Um, I'm very lucky to live close by to Tony and he has probably every console that's been released in the last 25 years so <laughs> part of the great thing with this plan is that I'm barely having to go out and buy anything I just say hey Tony how about you lend me your PS3 and your copy of the uh, Eco and the Shadow of the Colossus HD collection nice. and um, yeah he's he's all over it he seems to be getting some sort of
0: uh, yeah,
1: vicarious pleasure absolutely sure. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've long, long, long been an advocate of uh, format agnosticism over, uh, over a single console zealotry. Um, I don't think, it, I mean, anyone who listens to Kane and Rince will understand that we absolutely don't favour one format over another. And, and I've, you know, I've long since maintained that if you want to play all the games that are worth playing, you have to be a multi- You have to embrace the multi-format thing, and, and and I think a lot of times the sort of anti-one format or another comes out of people sort of, sort of knowing that, but having some sort of resentment because either they don't want to they don't want to spend another two three hundred pounds on another console on another set of games. But uh, I've been a multi-format gamer since the late 80s early 90s and um it served me very well it gives me a very you know a, a wonderful broad spectrum of games by all different creators and that's as i say that's what cader rinse is born out of it, it it's it's about a love of the people who make games and because of business and capitalism it just so happens that some games are available on some systems and some games are available on others
1: yeah i i feel exactly the same way i've never been I've never considered myself to be a fanboy of sure. one way or the other, but I've never had the time or the well, excess yes, cash yes. to say, "Well, That's I'll go it. and have you know, go and pick up all the consoles so that I can play a few games on Absolutely. on one." Um, yeah. And I've always felt guilty about it. It's always been one of my my absolute worst shames that I've, I'm such an advocate for everything. I'm such a pacifist in the whole sort of console war nonsense, uh, but I've not gone down to the other side um and yeah i've always felt terrible and i'm well aware that there are hundreds probably of fantastic games that I've just not had access to because I've pigeonholed myself back into a corner.
0: But it's quite exciting now and, and now is your time and, and you've got this opportunity and uh, you've got yeah, people willing to lend you consoles and games and whatever else. And so, do, have you now played ECO or is it one that you're going to play?
1: No, no, I've uh, I've been through ECO. That was the very first game out of this uh, list of 40 games I decided I was going to get onto. I thought I'd start off with uh, something that's almost... Well, from what i understand almost entirely loved probably almost, has um, yeah. has a very high overall approval rating along with Shadow of the Colossus which of course is the other game from the same um same development studio on the on the HD collection
0: um yes we cover both those games uh, we probably would have given them a podcast each now but back in issue 4 of Kane and Rince in uh, 2011 when those games were a mere you know 5 and 10 years old instead of uh, 15 and 10 now
1: and the, <laughs> um, yeah, the hd yeah. re-release must have been pretty much brand new at that point as well it was out that
0: year that's right um and a fine a fine job Blue Point did as mm. well so so it's, um but
1: you enjoyed it you came I to thought it and it was it. fantastic yeah if you're going to make an argument for our video games art this is something that you would put at the forefront of you know look this is something it looks beautiful it's like a an oil painting um It's got a story that's sort of ambiguous. You can kind of take from it as much or as little as you want. So it very much falls into that category of, you know, you have to do a lot of work to appreciate this thing. Or at least I feel that way. Mm -hmm. And exactly the same with Shadow of the Colossus. You can take it in a completely different way, potentially from somebody else. And it's all, I think it's as much based on player experience as... As anything that the developers have done for it mm. but to me this would be in the genesis of that idea of we're going to make something that's not just a, a mindless toy uh it's more a essential experience
0: mm. absolutely i think this is uh this is a fantastic lineup of tunes we've got today by the way from both uh, yourself and from our contributors and this one is requested by Nick. And Nick says, I would like to submit a track from Lone Survivor, a 2D survival horror game which came out for the PC and Mac in 2012 and has since been released on PS3, 4 and Wii U in its Director's cut version. My brother, Jasper Byrne, made everything in the game, including every piece of music. You guys might know his tracks from the Hotline Miami games too.
1: Very much know his tracks from the Hotline Miami (laughs) games. They're incredible.
0: I have very early memories of my brother making tunes on the Amiga on... Otomed, I think, uh, and he never really stopped making music, leading him onto a successful 10-year career making drum and bass. I used to dabble too. A long time later, he decided to put everything on hold and spent four years making Lone Survivor. I have several pieces of music from the game that I love, so my indecision led me to ask my brother, which is his personal favourite. He said, sleep forever. Just thinking about it shivers me timbers. It makes me feel nostalgic and hopeful, two of the main themes that are in the heart of this game. On the surface level, the game is an apocalypse survival sim, but like other, other horror experiences I enjoy, there is warmth in its soul. The game is full of fear, but also redemption, which for me is where this piece fits in. Forever by Jasper Byrne uh, from Lone Survivor. Uh, the director's cut of which was given away as a PS Plus game a while back, so you may have it in your download libraries. I played a chunk of it. It's an interesting thing indeed. And yes, this the soundtrack did stand out to me. So thanks for that request, brother Nick Byrne. Uh, more developers and relations of developers on the forum is always cool. Now, here's another game we covered on Kana and Rince, this time much more recently, uh, back in issue 166. Uh, now, again, another, I th- say I think we can safely say, much beloved game, JRPG uh, Chrono Trigger. This is the main theme. Why have you chosen this one? Another game that you've returned to in recent times or plan to?
1: Yeah, it's, it's another game from my big list of 40 games that I wanted to get around to playing. Um, I've, I've never been... I won't say I've not been a fan of jrpgs but i've never sort of broken the seal with them if that's Mm. you know it's a reasonable way to put it i've always been intrigued but also slightly intimidated by what i am aware of as the commitment behind getting into this sort of thing um especially when you look at a lot of things uh, It might not be the best example but being a yeah you know somebody who spent the majority of the last 10 years playing on the Xbox 360, I'm aware that there's a lot of very good JRPGs, but I'm also aware that they're sort of multi-hundred-of-hour experiences to actually get through yeah. them. Mm. So it's always been something that I've been... I mean, I love Japanese culture. Um, I went to Japan a few months ago, and honestly, it was probably the best few days that I've ever had in my entire life. Um, nice. I just I sunk into it so much um, with a couple of friends who know Tokyo quite well. Cool. Uh, so I've I've always been I've always been intrigued. Um, I've played a couple of JRPGs in more recent years, notably the original Final Fantasy game. I played on my phone. Wow. Which I mean, I loved it. I thought it was that was Did probably you? the first time I've ever really gotten into it. A JRPG beyond the Pokemon games, which, you know, some people probably crucify me for referring to them as JRPGs. But
0: not I. I agree with you t- entirely. They, they are absolutely JRPGs as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
1: So I, I played that. I was absolutely smitten by it. Um, and I've played a couple of the 360 games I played Eternal Sonata about yep. a year ago and really, really liked that. It's again, mm. it's just something that's so different from the alleys that I usually take myself down. Um, and I've always heard such good things about Chrono Trigger. Um, I used to own the DS version of it because, as far as I'm aware, it was the first time the game was actually released. Um, in the uh, in, in Europe the UK. and Australia.
0: Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Which it, is crazy. I, it, sort of 15 was, years yeah. after its yeah. original release. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, and it was a great version as well. They put a lot of love into it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I decided Chrono Trigger. I remember listening to the show because, you know, <laughs> complete uh, sort of blowing smoke up your ass. I've listened to every single Cane and Rinse pretty much as they're released over the well last done. four and a half years. Um, so I, I always listen to the show, even if I've not played the game. Good life. And I remember listening <laughs> to the Chrono Trigger show and thinking, God, yeah, this is one of those things that I really should be getting into And, yeah, it was, again, was one of the first things when this idea came up. I thought, right, well, I'll get the DS version of it again. I dabbled with it in the past and probably played it for a couple of hours, but this is probably five years ago. Uh, So I thought i will get hold of the DS version, which, again, was very kindly lent to me by Tony. and, yeah, I just thought this will be the game that I play for half an hour when I'm in bed before I go to sleep in the evenings. It'll be the game that I play when I go up to London and I get 40 minutes each way on the train. I can have a bash on it. And that's pretty much what I've done for the last six weeks. I've only sunk, I think my save file on it is on about 12 hours. Um, I don't really know how far through the game I am. I imagine I'm probably about half. a third
0: yeah you you've got a you got a way to go and uh and obviously this being open ended as it is there are a, any number of different ways and times of finishing the game depending yeah. on the paths you choose and and so on and so well,
1: forth so i'm aware that there's the main storyline and then there's a number of what look like very very in depth side quests that's right yeah and it again it just reminds me exactly of i played the original final fantasy I think it took me 20 hours to actually get through the main campaign till Mm. what's technically the end. And then you can do this couple of challenge dungeons, which I did as well. And I think my final save time was something like 55 hours. So (laughs) it's like a third of it is actually playing the story. And I can just see Chrono Trigger is going to be somewhat similar. If it's grabbed me in exactly the same way, I love the art style of it. Uh, I can't, really excuse after getting into a couple of these, um, sort of SNES, NES era RPGs. I can't really excuse the fact that I've always been sort of worried about them because they're such beautiful experiences. Um, I, for some reason the party system sort of resonates with me or, you know, you're sort of friends with these people having a fantastic adventure, um, it's it's how I always look at Ocarina of Time, which is one of, if not my favourite game of all time, and how I know that a lot of people in a very similar period sort of look at um, Final Fantasy VII. And I think that one of the reasons that it resonates with me and my peers so much, and depending on whether you had an N64 or a PlayStation in 1998, you probably went one way or the other, is you've got these incredible... Um, Sort of heroic, saving the world, bringing you know rival factions together, but your character is always this completely insignificant, sort of adolescent, teenage, if even teenage, um, boy or girl, and it's it's a real sort of power fantasy, I think, for a probably the sort of person who played it at that time might Mm. have been 12 or 13, and you're thinking, well, you know, there's a huge world out there, I'm nothing. But you can have this um, extraneous experience where somebody who is young, adolescent, sort of nothing to their world, actually ends up growing up. And this the stories are always also about sort of aging and having this um, seminal experience as you're in your formative years and going on to do something fantastic. And I think that might be one of the reasons why they resonate so much with people of my Age group. And Chrono Trigger has that in spades as well. I mean, you start off as this young guy who's just on his way to the fair and suddenly gets thrown into something that ends up literally, it's not just saving the world, it's saving multiple timelines and changing things to stop a terrible future from happening. And it still pulls that same heartstring that Ocarina of Time did nearly 20 years ago.
0: Nicely put. And here is the main theme. What better from Yasunori Mitsuda. said what better that wasn't the name of the main theme that's uh that was just me saying what better um well you may have an opinion on that listeners uh we've already featured some uh Yasunori Mitsuda music on this podcast more than once but if you have a favorite Chrono Trigger track or anything else by him or anyone else head over to kainorince.com forum find the sound of play thread and make your requests Someone who's done just that is uh, a new requester of music from us and uh, from a completely new game from new artists that we've never featured before. I say new, this is actually 15 years old, but Isgimmer is the poster and Isgimmer says, I wanted to post a submission for a game I haven't seen any previous mention of, Anarchy Online by Norwegian developer Funcom one of the earlier MMOs with a terrible launch and riddled with technical problems, but it was hugely ambitious and offered a sci-fi setting while most others were all about goblins and fantasy. In fact, it's still going today while most other MMOs have closed their doors. I think you could easily do an entire show for this one soundtrack alone. I'll highlight some of my favourites, and we've picked just one of those favourites, but I hope you and the rest of the community check out the whole thing. So this is going to be Blue Dots, and gimmer says, Great layers of sound, dynamic ebbs and flows, really nice track. There are bars, clubs you can go into in the game as a social area, and I think the tracks com, uh, come from there. So uh, pre- preparing the show, I listened to this for the first time, and uh, I dig it. Let's see if you do too. This is Blue Dots by Morten Sawley, Tor Lincoln and Bjorn Ava Lagim. of vibe there different entirely in tone to the other pieces of music that we've had so far and indeed very much from the one that we've got next which is a piece of music that pretty much uh, uh, it, yeah it, it, it's uh, it, it's a hard thing for me not to well up a bit at this one mm. Um it's uh it's a very emotional end to a very emotional game. we should say um it, if you're going to talk about when this happens, we should offer a little spoiler warning for the game papo and yo uh we covered this game in cana Rint's podcast issue one hundred and twenty four and it was a very uh i'd say it was a quite an emotional show um so this is one you've caught up with recently john
1: yeah i yeah I remember originally listening to the show. this must be a couple of years ago um i borrowed Tony's PS3 specifically because I wanted to play five or six other games and at the time he lent it to me and he said, you also, while you're at it, spend an evening, sit down for three or four hours and play Papo and Yo because you will get a huge amount out of it. And he was absolutely right. I dived into this. I think I played it in two goes, possibly over two evenings for a couple of hours. And yeah, I couldn't, couldn't help but be completely drawn in um it's another game very similar i found to eco where the actual aspect of playing the game the puzzles and the controls and the camera are in places can be slightly challenging to overcome yeah i would
0: would agree with that especially this game yeah
1: yeah but in my book it is completely forgivable because that's not entirely what you're in this for Mm. i mean this is so much about the the tone of the the story and about the emotional resonance behind what's going on that having a few rather crappy jumping puzzles um to get from one section to the next is just i mean as far as i'm concerned it's it's not an issue
0: All right. Uh, Yeah, do listen to our Papo and Yo podcast. And if you haven't before been inspired to try it, perhaps listen to this track and then see how you feel about it. This is called Liberation. I won't give you the subtitle because it's a spoiler unto itself. course the title of the track is actually written uh, in the show notes and on your uh, on your your listening device so um, apologies for that <laughs> you didn't I think you can probably guess going into Papo if you care enough about Papo and to go into it you probably would have guessed um, but we'll we'll not dwell on that further but I absolutely love that track and uh, at the end of that that game it is yeah even the, the final steps of that game are even mechanically quite sort of you know questionable shall we say but the actual the the release and, and followed by that tune mm-hmm. at the end is, yeah, heartbreaking
1: to me. It is, yeah.
0: Now, uh, you've already mentioned it, one of your all-time favourites. Uh, I would class it in that camp for me as well, although I'm actually currently about two-thirds of the way through what will only be my second ever full playthrough. This is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, I'm Play, have been playing this hard on the uh, 3ds version in the last few days because uh, we have coming up in issue 217 our ocarina of time podcast and it's one of those games where it's such a you know such a critical darling such a favorite but then also there is the sort of inevitable backlash and the fact that time has you know played its part in people's appraisal of it and so on it's a kind of uh, it's sometimes those are the most um exciting but also challenging games for us to cover on the, on the main Cane and Rinse podcast, but suffice to say, and this isn't a spoiler, I'm loving it all over again it's, uh, I've obviously I've dipped in and out occasionally in the last 18 years, but this is the first time I've played as far as I am um, I'm up to the Water Temple, the infamous Water Temple, and uh, and I'm really, really it, it hasn't lost too much of its magic for me at all, and in fact one of the things that I really enjoyed about this current playthrough is I've been uh, there's an element of nostalgia, but also an element of reappreciation of the work of koji kondo and to that end i noticed that uh, andrew brown a contributor to the forum has requested this uh, this lovely piece from goron city uh, so please enjoy Right, next up, uh, from John, we have something from a game that is often requested for us to cover on the podcast, which is yeah, on our very, I, very long I'll list. i add
1: another request to that, please. Well,
0: we have a long list. It's, I think it's now around 1,400 titles are on the list, and we, we can only do about 50 podcasts a year. So, uh, you know, we're, we're working on it. But uh, So this is from Gone Home.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it's another game that I've been... I heard a huge amount about it when it was first released a few years ago. Um, And I I did have a PC version of it on my laptop, which I was uh, subsequently told by a website uh, called Mm canyourunit.com that, no, my laptop was not good enough to run it. Um, But I still bought it in a humble sale and thought, well, at some point when I chuck this rubbish laptop in the bin and get a proper PC, um, I'll get around to playing it. And well, it was actually released on uh, current generation consoles before I got round to doing that. So Yes.
0: This is the way of things now. Uh games tend to be properly multi format by and large. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It's quite mean, handy. It, it takes a couple of years. It takes a couple of years, but here we are. And we now have gone home on on uh, PS4 and Xbox One. So uh I picked this up if not previously it might have been Yeah it might have might have been before it actually came out I pre ordered it. Uh, if not, then I definitely picked it up at launch. Um, and no spoilers for this one, please, because we yes. haven't
0: uh, we haven't covered it. And uh, and I understand it's quite a, a spoilable game potentially. So um, skirting around the subject matter. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> what is it you like about the soundtrack?
1: <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I think it's just that it's stuck in my head because oh, the game itself really got to me. Um, It's very much... It's a throwback to anybody who had any sort of concept of what life was like in the mid-90s. It's about a couple of characters who are late teenagers or so. I think they're 18, 19, in 1995. And the game is set then, and you're basically exploring this house. And it's absolutely full of things like you go into the TV room and there's shelves full of videotapes that have got like two movies recorded on them or four episodes of the X-Files, which got me going quite a lot. Um, so I looked at it; just everything in this game seemed tailored to tweaking some sort of nostalgia bone that I have. Um, and then there's also the, the whole aspect of it is it's all very much um, a story about finding your first boyfriend, girlfriend. And I think anybody can appreciate that who's been in that situation. Anybody who's ever loved anybody understands what it was like the first time. And yeah, without saying anything else that's any more spoilery, it just sort of brought back a flood of memories from when I was that sort of age, 15, 20 years ago, oh, sorry, 10, 15 years ago. The music in it is very sporadic. It plays as you collect these journals so it's it's interesting actually listening to the piece of music on its own when you hear this in the game you will also have one of the characters narrating like a diary entry over the top of it so it's very weird for me listening to this listening to the soundtrack trying to find the piece that i liked the most to put on here cuz i knew i wanted to put a piece from gone home into the show uh, but not having the um not having the monologue over the top of it so i can't listen to it and not hear the girl's voice talking about whatever it is she talks about during this um but yeah i found myself really sinking into it but the the music and the the just the themes of the whole game um really really resonated with me
0: So that is uh, known as A Very Long Phase, Getting Lonnie uh, from Gone Home. And it's by Chris Remo, uh, somebody who I did a podcast with many years ago now, about, would have been about 2010 or 11 when Idle Thumbs was fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, and uh, he was a nice guy. He even helped us do a sort of mock-up of our podcast theme tune by giving us the audio to his podcast theme tune, which was nice of him. Excellent. Um, yeah. Next up, we have another track from a recent-ish, yeah, really pretty recent independent game that is uh, has been very popular on Steam and probably has one of the highest kind of game rankings review scores of anything released in the last 12 months uh, with a 94-point-something uh, average critical score, uh, Undertale. And this is requested by another new forum poster, The Stunt Lady. Who says for those like me who grew up playing and loving classic JRPGs, last year's Undertale struck a very personal chord. The experience in this game is a regular emotional roller coaster ride with music to perfectly underscore it all. In the overall soundtrack, Toby Fox has done a fantastic job of combining chiptune songs reminiscent of 8- and 16-bit era games, sombre piano and orchestral compositions, and heavy, frenzied, balls-to-the-walls, electronic numbers. The best example of the latter, in my opinion, actually cannot be heard in-game until you reach the end of a true pacifist playthrough and face the final boss. Without spoiling too much, hopefully, this battle is a culmination of the game's depth and a complexity. The quirky sense of humour, the relationships you've built with the main cast of characters, and indeed your determination to show mercy, compassion and empathy toward every creature in a pac- pacifist run, all builds into one last attempt to save everything and everyone you love. The intensity and urgency that drives hopes and dreams perfectly complements the last big confrontation in Undertale and its emotional impact is profound and far-reaching. Here's hoping you enjoy it as much as I do, and stay determined. Toby Fox's Hopes and Dreams from Undertale by Toby Fox. Uh, And I think as it stands, that is currently only available on PC and Mac, certainly available through Steam. Um, But I think it's done well enough to expect it to pop up on things like the PS4 and Xbox One at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, Now, if like the stunt lady is gimmer and our other requesters you are inspired to ask for your own favorite pieces of video games music to appear on sound of play where you need to go is this slash forum and you can make your request there in the sound of play thread and we will continue to include a selection in every regular sound of play podcast if you haven't already do please subscribe to sound of play uh leave us a review or rating on itunes is great but anywhere else you can tell your friends uh whatever else and so on and so forth and uh much appreciated uh so before we hear about your final pick that will be playing us out for eight long minutes no don't i don't go mean it that by way. very uh, quickly <laughs> <laughs> uh it, uh, it remains for me, Leon, to thank John and to ask, uh, is there anything, your your blog, your Twitter, that you'd care to tell the listeners of Sound of Play about?
1: Um, I'm I'm actually, I'm not particularly active anywhere on the internet. I mean, I you say my blog, um, I've just been posting on the Ken and Ritz forum occasionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're interested in what I've been talking about, the idea of, you know, going back and playing a whole load of what could be argued, the sort of sacred cows of gaming history um i i will be posting updates uh as i actually finish a few of these games which i might point out has been slightly hampered by the fact that i'm now stuck into playing a bunch of doom games for regular cane and rinse shows yes um, coming
0: back for our doom indeed three. i'm playing through Pop-ins. that at the
1: moment and <laughs>
0: mm, it's, it's surprisingly long i'm finding Doom it's, Three. it's, <laughs> it's
1: incredibly uh... long when you're playing it on nightmare difficulty <laughs>
0: Oh goodness me! Yes, well, I'm not doing that. Because no. I'm not I mean, insane, but I'm glad to hear that you. It'll are. be
1: something interesting to talk about. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I have got. Like I said, I've i finished four or five of these forty games that I've chosen picked out. So well, that's a
0: that's a good solid. If stop.
1: you're interested in hearing sort of more thoughts on any of these, if you want to hear my more spoilery thoughts on something like Gone Home or Shadow of the Colossus, they are posted somewhere on the Cane and Rinse forum. (laughs) Um, Brilliant.
0: We get you on. You plug our forum.
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, It's at Catatonic Gnarly. Um, I, to be honest, I kind of use it to make weird tweets when I get drunk and... Uh, I'm watching a lot of X Files and putting up mini reviews of the episodes as I go through. Um, so, oh, right. <laughs> again, it's probably not a whole lot to see there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that's uh yeah, catatonic Nali, spelt uh catatonic n a l i. That's it if you want to follow John. <clears throat> so, uh this final track then is uh it's we're, we're slightly bending the rules with this one, but I'm happy to let it go because of its strong association um for many people with this uh particular uh bit mm-hmm. of game. So, uh what have you chosen and why have you so chosen it?
1: my pick for the outro is uh, M4 Part 2 by Faunce from the Mass Effect soundtrack in air quotes because it's actually not original composition. Faunce is, uh, from what I gather, they're kind of an indie rock electronica band from Edmonton where BioWare are based. And this song was released, I think, maybe a year or so before the game. And obviously a few of the guys at Bioware either know the band or have seen them in local clubs and stuff and obviously decided they wanted part of this action. So they've taken this track and this plays over the end credits of the original Mass Effect. Um, The way that I'd like to describe this is if you put yourself back, or at least in my case... Uh, Set the scene eight years ago, pretty much, you know, two couple of months. I think I played this early 2008. You've played through the entirety of Mass Effect. And if you're as crazy as me, you played it over the course of about three days, barely doing (laughs) anything else. I think it was a 40 hour playthrough that I did in three days. Um, Your Commander Shepard has simultaneously, at the end of the game, you've kind of saved the. Citadel from the immediate threat, although the Reapers are still out there and that's all kind of left undone. And you've you've proved humanity's worth to the rest of the alien races who didn't particularly like humans beforehand. Um and as the the Normandy makes its final fly away, this track starts up. And it's totally different from pretty much the entire rest of the Mass Effect soundtrack, which is all uh, sort of electronica-y uh, Vangelis-y Blade Runner-y type music And sort of these huge orchestral swells um, But then instead You get this Kind of dark uh, Indie electronica it's, it's It's kind of emo-y in a way It's definitely It's just so different from everything else And it's it For whatever reason it really struck a chord And I listen to this now and it just brings back a huge flood of memories from playing Mass Effect, and I absolutely adored the first game. Um, It it sort of ties in with the rest of the games that I've talked about today, because as much as I adored Mass Effect 1, and I liked 2 a huge amount, I never ended up getting through to the third game. Um, Mm. So as such, um, part of my list of 40 games I've included Mass Effect 2 because I've got a save file that's part of the way through on a second playthrough so I need to replay that and then I need to play Mass Effect 3 so this is all very much still in my conscious mind um, but I've, I absolutely adore this um, and fonts were obviously incredibly popular with the fans, I think they bought them back in to do the credits track on Mass Effect 3 as well which is, okay. again, it's, you've got an entire soundtrack of orchestral and sort of electronically inspired music. Then with this indie rock song, which I think is even weirder in Mass Effect 3. I think it's even more electronic and I don't think there's any vocals or anything in it, but this is, yeah, I don't know. Everybody that I've ever spoken to about Mass Effect Everybody who's heard this piece of music loves it.
0: All right, well, we covered Mass Effects 1 and 2 way back in issue 22 of the podcast, more recently Mass Effect 3. Seek those out. Uh, thank you again, John, for joining us. And we'll leave you with M4 Part 2 by Fonts.